Hello, everyone. Good day. Guten Tag. Bon dia. Buenos dias. Bonjour. C'est le 14 juillet, la fête nationale in France, and it is July 14th here in the United States. This is the One Year Bible Tour. My name is David McAdam, your host, and we are delighted to have you with us for our next daily excursion, making our way through the Bible. We are reading through the first book of Chronicles. It has been good to hear from our listeners who have told me that they themselves have often taken a detour when they came to the genealogical lists of unusual names, but that this podcast has helped them to stick to it and given them fresh insights. So we're happy to hear that. The genealogies are behind us, and we're back in the narrative. And yesterday we learned of the great joy and care that accompanied the Ark of the Covenant when it was brought to Jerusalem. So let's pick up our Bible reading in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, beginning with verse 37. And I am reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 37. Worship before the Ark. So David left Asaph and his brothers there before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to minister regularly before the Ark as each day required, and also Obedidim and his sixty-eight brothers, while Obedidim, the son of Jeduthun, and Hosa were to be gatekeepers. And he left Zadok the priest and his brothers the priests before the tabernacle of the Lord in the high place that was at Gibeon, to offer burnt offerings to the Lord on the altar of burnt offering regularly, morning and evening, to do all that is written in the law of the Lord that he commanded Israel. With them were Heman and Jeduthun and the rest of those chosen and expressly named to give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Heman and Jeduthun had trumpets and cymbals for the music and instruments for sacred song. The sons of Jeduthun were appointed to the gate. Then all the people departed, each to his house, and David went home to bless his household. Chapter 17. The Lord's Covenant with David. Now when David lived in his house, David said to Nathan the prophet, Behold, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan said to David, Do all that is in your heart, for God is with you. But that same night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, Go and tell my servant David, Thus says the Lord, It is not you who will build me a house to dwell in, for I have not lived in a house since the day I brought up Israel to this day, but I have gone from tent to tent and from dwelling to dwelling. In all places where I have moved with all Israel, did I speak a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to shepherd my people, saying, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, to be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone, and have cut off all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and will plant them, that they may dwell in their own place, and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall waste them no more, as formerly." from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will subdue all your enemies. Moreover, I declare to you that the Lord will build you a house. When your days are fulfilled to walk with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, one of your own sons, and I will establish his kingdom. 
He shall build a house for me, and I will establish his throne forever. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. I will not take my steadfast love from him, as I took it from him who was before you. But I will confirm him in my house, and in my kingdom forever. And his throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words, in accordance with all this vision, Nathan spoke to David. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house, that you have brought me thus far? And this was a small thing in your eyes, O God. You have also spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come, and have shown me future generations, O Lord God. And what more can David say to you for honoring your servant? For you know your servant. For your servant's sake, O Lord, and according to your own heart, you have done all this greatness, in making known all these great things. There is none like you, O Lord, and there is no God besides you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. And who is like your people Israel, the one nation on earth whom God went to redeem to be his people, making for yourself a name for great and awesome things, and driving out nations before your people whom you redeemed from Egypt? And you made your people Israel to be your people forever, and you, O Lord, became their God. And now, O Lord, let the word that you have spoken concerning your servant and concerning his house be established forever and do as you have spoken, and your name will be established and magnified forever, saying, The Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, is Israel's God, and the house of your servant David will be established before you. For you, my God, have revealed to your servant that you will build a house for him. Therefore your servant has found courage to pray before you. And now, O Lord, you are God, and you have promised this good thing to your servant." Now you have been pleased to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue forever before you. For it is you, O Lord, who have blessed, and it is blessed forever. Chapter 18. David Defeats His Enemies After this, David defeated the Philistines and subdued them, and he took Gath and its villages out of the hand of the Philistines. And he defeated Moab, and the Moabites became servants to David and brought tribute. David also defeated Hadadezer, king of Zobahamoth, as he went to set up his monument at the river Euphrates. And David took from him one thousand chariots, seven thousand horsemen, and twenty thousand foot soldiers. And David hamstrung all the chariot horses, but left enough for one hundred chariots. And when the Syrians of Damascus came to help Hadadezer, king of Zobah, David struck down twenty-two thousand men of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became servants to David and brought tribute. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. And David took the shields of gold that were carried by the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem. And from Tibhoth and from Kun, cities of Hadadezer, David took a large amount of bronze. With it Solomon made the bronze sea and the pillars and the vessels of bronze. When Tau, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated the whole army of Hadadezer, king of Zobah, he sent his son Hadoram to king David to ask about his health and to bless him because he had fought against Hadadezer and defeated him. For Hadadezer had often been at war with Tau. And he sent all sorts of articles of gold, of silver, and of bronze. These also king David dedicated to the Lord, together with the silver and gold, 
that he had carried off from all the nations, from Edom, Moab, the Ammonites, the Philistines, and Amalek. And Abishai, the son of Zeruiah, killed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. Then he put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants. And the Lord gave victory to David wherever he went. So David reigned over all Israel, and he administered justice and equity to all his people. And Joab, the son of Zeruiah, was over the army. And Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. And Zadok, the son of Ahitub, and Ahimelech, the son of Abiathar, were priests. And Shavshah was secretary. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And David's sons were the chief officials in the service of the king. And this is the end of our reading of today's portion from the Old Testament, the book of First Chronicles. Now let's take a few moments to recap and reflect upon what we have observed. David gives careful attention to be sure that ministry is carried on by the appropriate people. He assigns a team of priests to minister in Jerusalem where the Ark of the Lord is now positioned, and another team in Gibeon where the burnt offerings and morning and evening tabernacle services continue. Asaph is put in charge of ministering before the Ark of the Covenant, along with 68 associates, including Obedidim, who must have moved to Jerusalem for that purpose. Zadok and other Levitical priests were in charge of the worship services at Gibeon, which included antiphonal giving of thanks. The people would respond to their sentences of praise with a loud shout, for his love endures forever. First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 41. Heman and Jeduthun were put in charge of the musical instruments, including brass and percussion. David communicates to Nathan, the prophet, that compared to the luxurious palace of cedar in which he dwells, the Ark of the Covenant is housed only in a simple tent. He has it on his heart to build a house for the Lord. Nathan at first responds in the affirmative, saying, Whatever you have in mind, do it, for the Lord is with you. However, that night the Lord speaks to Nathan and instructs him to give David another message. God has been with David throughout his life journey. He has been with the people of Israel throughout their history. He's never asked for a fixed building to dwell in, especially one made of human hands. Instead of David building a house for the Lord, the Lord promises to make a house for David and his kingdom. This will be a place where they can rest, knowing that the Lord has purposed to free them from oppression by subduing all their enemies. But these promises would be fulfilled by one of David's descendants, Jesus Christ. The Lord's promises in the Davidic covenant point to a king and a work that is beyond David. He makes a covenant to establish his own kingdom forever through an offspring of David who will build a house where the love of God permanently abides. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 7-14 through 14. David responds to this news with humility. He's overwhelmed that the Almighty God should show him such favor. You have looked upon me as though I were the most exalted of men. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 17. This is a prefiguring of how God looks upon all those who are in Christ Jesus. David embraces the fact that God will bring about his own kingdom and eternal purpose through his promised offspring. This is another picture of saving faith in the Old Testament. David thanks the Lord for this blessed promise in 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verses 16 through 27. O Lord, for the sake of your servant and according to your will, you have done this great thing, 
and made known all these great promises. 1 Chronicles 17, verse 19. Chapter 18 describes David's further conquest. He defeats the Philistines, the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, and Amalekites, establishing the promised boundaries to the north and east to the Euphrates River. He defeats Hadadezer, king of Zobah. The Lord gave David victory everywhere he went. 1 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 6. Not only did these victories expand Israel's borders, they enabled David to acquire material for the building of the temple, gold, bronze, and silver. King David also dedicated these to the Lord with the silver and the gold which he carried away from all the nations, from Edom, Moab, the sons of Ammon, the Philistines, and from Amalek. 1 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 11. So David reigned over all Israel, and he administered justice and righteousness for all his people. 1 Chronicles chapter 18, verse 14. Now let's go to our next stop on our Bible reading tour, the New Testament book of Romans, Romans chapter 2, verses 1 through 24. Romans 2, God's Righteous Judgment. Verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges, For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things, and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of His kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render to each one according to his works. To those who by patience and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury." There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek, but glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first and also the Greek, for God shows no partiality. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, for all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles, who do not have the law, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bears witness, and their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of men by Christ Jesus. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know His will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law, and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law, 
dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among Gentiles because of you. And this is the end of our reading from the New Testament passage from the book of Romans. In Romans chapter 2, the Apostle Paul anticipates the reaction of the cultured Roman Gentile to his indictment of the pagan world in chapter 1. We can imagine him saying, The depraved barbarian may need to be made right with God, but not me. The self-righteous Gentiles might imagine themselves as seated with the judge rather than in the dock with the accused and exposed to the same wrath. How easily the human being suppresses the knowledge of his or her accountability to God, overestimating their worthiness and deservedness of a right standing with Him. Truly there are some who have received abundant blessings of God's kindness, tolerance, and patience towards them, but they don't realize that those blessings should steer them towards repentance rather than a smug sense of moral superiority. And without repentance, they will be condemned on the day of judgment. Paul speaks also to the Jew who might proudly agree with his indictments of the Gentile, both the reprobate and self-righteous. The Jews are no better off, even if they have had better privileges. For those Jews who think they are right with God just because they have the law of God or have heard the law of God, they must be reminded that they are no better off than the Gentile whose consciences function as the law written on their hearts. Why? Because they all fail to obey the law of God. The relationship of the Jew to the law, far from justifying them, only magnifies their history of disobedience. Paul references Isaiah chapter 52 verse 5 and Ezekiel 36 verse 20 by saying, As it is written, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Both the light of the written law in the scriptures and the moral law written on the heart should convict us all of our need for the Savior. We move on now to our next stop on our Bible tour, the book of Psalms, the Bible's songbook, We're reading Psalm 10, only a few verses today, verses 16 through 18. Psalm 10, verse 16. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations perish from his land. O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth may strike terror no more. And that is the end of our reading from the book of Psalms. We have read through the book of Kings and have seen how the reigns of the kings of Israel and Judah fall short of the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy that will be established through Christ. This final section of Psalm 10 wonderfully captures the kingdom of God's dear Son. The Lord is King forever and ever. Nations have perished from his land. O Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will incline your ear to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed, so that man who is of the earth will no longer cause terror. Psalm 10, verses 16 through 18. Now let's go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 19, verses 8 through 9. Whoever gets sense loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will discover good. A false witness will not go unpunished, 
and he who breathes out lies will perish. Proverbs chapter 19 verse 8 reminds us that when you carefully acquire the facts, the values, and the overarching plan of redemption according to God's word, with its truth about creation, the fall, the rescue, and restoration from divine viewpoint, you are doing yourself a huge favor. Don't let these truths slip away. You need a biblical frame of reference to make good decisions. And when you make decisions, trust God for His provision to follow through. We have another proverb in verse 9 that highlights that we were created to be truth-tellers. May our witness always be true, sincere, and honest. One day, all lies, including half-truths, exaggerations, and misrepresentations, will be brought to light. Now let's pray. Lord, you are worthy of our worship and praise. Thank you for the revelation of your glory and grace in the person of your Son. He is the perfect king and the perfect priest, not just a king in the line of David, but king and priest after the order of Melchizedek. He is the mediator of our righteousness and peace. We look forward to every opportunity we have to hear your word, respond to the revelation of your glory, and join with those you have set in the local churches to inspire us to honor you with the songs of our lips and the consecration of our lives. May you be glorified today in your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for sharing this journey with us. We hope to be with you tomorrow, God willing, as we continue to read of King David in First Chronicles and get a greater understanding of what Christ accomplished for us on the cross, reading the book of Romans. I love the J.B. Phillips paraphrase of Colossians 1.28 because it sums up really what I feel is a worthy ambition for our lives. So naturally, we proclaim Christ, we warn everyone we meet, and we teach everyone we can all that we know about Him, so that if possible, we may bring every man up to his full maturity in Christ. Not only does this express the heart of the Apostle Paul for evangelism and discipleship, but it should be the ambition of every Spirit-filled believer. So we continue to keep on keeping on. Hope you can be with us tomorrow. If you have any questions or comments, you can write to us at podcast at newlife.org. If you'd like to know about New Life Community Church and its many ministries or New Life Fine Arts, you can go to our website, newlifefinearts.org. Also, you can subscribe to a daily email where we have a written copy available of our commentary on each day's one-year Bible reading. Now let me sign off with Paul's benediction in Ephesians chapters 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all we ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen.